0: I love Thomas Partey as much as the next person. I think he's a wonderful midfield player. But being injured again is a problem for the Arsenal. So is it time they start to look at alternative options? On this edition of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast, we're going to discuss three players being linked with a move to Arsenal. Are they suitable enough to replace Thomas Partey? Moving forward, we'll get into that right here. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. Hope you're all good. Hope you're all well. Hope you're enjoying your Wednesday so far. On this episode, we're going to discuss three potential Thomas Partey replacements. Now, we're nowhere near the transfer window. There's still a fair bit of time to go. Lots can happen. Lots can change between now and January when the window opens. We also have to take into consideration that January tends to be the window in which you do business that's more often than not more opportunistic than anything else. I think the big plans will be in place for the summer. And traditionally, the, uh, the bigger deals do happen over the course of the summer rather than during the winter window. So I'm not expecting a major overhaul in the, in the uh, upcoming January window. I think any replacing of Thomas Partey will probably need to be done in the summer. But on this episode, we're going to look at three players that have been linked heavily with moves to Arsenal in recent times, three midfield players, and we're dis- going to discuss their suitability to replacing Thomas Partey. I'm not going to sit there and pluck names out of the air, names that we have no link with, names that there have been no stories about. We're going to focus on these three individuals and of course, as we get closer and closer to the transfer windows, then we can start to put together somewhat of a wish list. But for now, as I say, we're going to focus on these players. We're going to home in on these players and we're going to discuss whether or not they would be good enough and suitable to replace Thomas Partey in that Arsenal midfield. Um a big, uh, I can't even speak today. A big hello to Yontora in the chat. We've got Afsar, uh, we've got Thierry Henry, apparently, <laughs> John Hacker, Jimmy, Sammy, uh, Gary's with us. Uh, we've got the immature reviewer. Um, we've got riser we've got Halo as well, uh, and a big hello to everybody else watching or listening to this episode. Uh, don't forget, if you are listening on audio, come over and subscribe to our YouTube channel as well, and vice versa. Uh, please do leave a like on the video if you're watching us and subscribe to the platform if you haven't done so already. It really, really does help. Um, let's start off with why we need to replace Thomas Partey, because I think we're getting to the point where it's becoming undeniable. We're getting to the point where we can no longer put this conversation off. As I said in the intro to the show, I rate Thomas Partey as much as the next person. And I think Thomas Partey, when he's fit and firing, is among the best deep-lying midfield players in world football. I genuinely do believe that. I think he's that good. I think he's got a very rare and unique skill set, which we're going to come on to talk about in a little bit. And I think that makes him difficult to replace. But it's something that Arsenal are going to have to try and do. Because if he keeps breaking down the way he is currently, we just can't rely on him. And, you know, so far this season, we've been okay because we brought Declan Rice in through the door. You know, Declan Rice came in to bolster that midfield. Declan Rice gives you so much that you can get away with Jorginho in the midfield against most teams. You know, you could play Mohamed Elneny if you really desperately needed to and probably still get away with it in a lot of games because of how well-rounded and what a high level performer Declan Rice is but we shouldn't be in this position in the position of one injury to Declan Rice puts us back to where we were pre having spent 100 million pounds on our midfield in the summer and we're up shit street again we can't afford to go into that position again and with Thomas Partey out for what I believe From what I've been told today is going to be four to five weeks. This has kind of prompted this conversation once again. And I've been very reluctant to say that we need to replace Thomas Partey because, as I've said, I think he's among the best in the world in his position. I really, really do believe that. But the best ability is availability, right? Without availability, you're nothing. And unfortunately, regardless of what Mikel Arteta says and how hard Thomas Partey is working to get fit and stay fit, etc., etc., it's just not working at the moment. He's unavailable more than he is available. And that's a big, big problem. So who are the candidates to replace him? As I've already said, I'm not just going to pluck names out of the air because that would be a wish list show. And we're going to do that when the transfer window comes around. For now, I'm going to focus on players that have been linked with moves to Arsenal. And I'm going to share my opinion on all three of these players. And then I'm going to rank them in terms of their suitability To replacing Thomas Partey. And we're going to talk about the likelihood of Arsenal being able to get these deals done. So, lots to unpack. I'll take your comments, your thoughts along the way as well. So, please do get involved in the live chat. And uh, yeah, this should be an interesting discussion. Now, before I dive into uh, introducing who those players are, let's have a look at what some of you guys have been saying uh, in the build up uh, to this show going live. Uh, Jan Tora says, I believe we will get more out of Partey then the sales would bring in El Nini and Jorginho will leave. Probably will at the end of the season. I agree with that. Our boy Patino will be assessed. Rice, Partey and a young up and coming player. So what I'm getting from that, Jan, is that you're happy for us to stick with Thomas Partey and just kind of put up with the fact that he is going to miss significant parts of the season. And I'm kind of on the fence with that in the sense of, I understand what you mean. Like if we sold him tomorrow, we're not going to get crazy money, the type of money that means we can replace him instantly. So I understand why there's a reluctance and why people go, well, if we're only going to get 30 million pounds for him, if that now, which, you know, I think is is going to be reduced just because of how he started the season in terms of his fitness, then I get what you're saying. You don't think that with that money, we'd be able to go out and get someone of that level or even close to it. And I agree with that. I just think, That we're at the point where we have to seriously now consider cutting our losses on Thomas Partey. And I think that that has got to happen. As for what we'd get for him, 30 million pounds was what was being talked about in the summer. It didn't happen. He stayed at the club. There was supposedly a lot of interest from Saudi Arabia, but that never really amounted to anything. And that might have been because Thomas Partey made it clear that that was not a move that he wanted. And therefore, those negotiations and discussions never progressed as a result. I don't know. But, you know, I was very much in the camp over the summer of, well, if you're only going to get a minimal amount of money, what's the point in letting him go? But the way the campaign started and the injuries that he's picked up and the problems that he's had have caused me to rethink that stance. And I'm very much at the point now where I think regardless of if he comes back into the team, plays brilliantly and and we're all happy again, you know, we're going to have to look at this because this is going to keep happening. Um, Afsar says, uh, Defo, we've got to sell him. It's just like Abu Diyabi, super talented, but always injured. And that's no good for this football club. Uh, John says, um, incredible player, but we can't rely on him to stay fit. Uh, Thierry Henry, not the Thierry Henry, says we need someone silky like a Busquets uh, or a Rodri. Hacker says, finally addressing it. I think I've always been quite vocal about my concerns over Thomas Partey's fitness. I don't think I've ever shied away from that. Um, But I go back to the point I was just making over the course of the summer when people were saying, sell him for 20 million or whatever. I just thought to myself, I'd rather take the gamble and and keep a hold of him and have him as a part of my squad than bring in 20 million, which isn't even a drop in the ocean. If you're talking about going out and signing a top quality uh, replacement. Uh big hello to Sammy, who joins us, Jimmy as well. Gary says, love Partey, but no good if he's always injured. Um, well, so we've got the immature reviewer says, um, great player, but hardly plays due to injuries. Time to say goodbye. Ryzo says, my opinion on Partey has finally changed. It's time to move on, replace him with a top class central midfielder. Lots of people um, sharing their thoughts on this and, and we'll continue to take your thoughts a little bit later on in the program. So keep them coming. Uh, Rafael says, uh, Hi Harry, you sound like you've recovered from your cold. Thomas Partey tends to suffer injury when he goes on international duty. He was relatively injury-free when at Atletico Madrid. It does feel like his injury record has just, you know, got 10 times worse since he's come to the Premier League. And I put that down to the difference between the Premier League and La Liga. More than... Um, the fact that he goes off on international duty. I just think the intensity with which he's required to play now, week in, week out, he's playing in a front-footed side rather than a side that we're quite happy to drop off of people in Atletico Madrid, particularly in the big games where you'd get that level of intensity. So I think that's a, that's a big part of it, um, probably more so in my opinion than him going off on international duty. Um, as for have I recovered from my cold, I feel better all round. Um, but my throat is still a little bit sore. You can probably still just about hear that in my voice. And I've got a very, very busy next few days coming up. So in between podcasting and working, I'm going to try and sit in silence and not speak to anybody. My wife will be chuffed. <laughs> right. OK, let's um, let's discuss then because I've talked about how difficult it is. Uh, to replace Thomas Partey. In fact, we'll do that in a second. I just want to bring to your attention um, a couple of pieces of content that are available on the channel now. Uh, So please uh, do go back and have a look at these if you haven't done so already. Uh, A big thank you to everybody who tuned in earlier this week to the first episode of The Debrief. Um, The Debrief is a weekly show that we're going to be bringing you on Mondays, where we're going to discuss Arsenal stories, but we're also going to take a peek uh, elsewhere as well talk about other things going on in the Premier League and of course on the continent not only will the debrief be a weekly show but if there's a big story in football that I figure we should talk about even if it's Arsenal related or not we will from time to time jump on with special editions of the debrief so really really looking forward to that and we'll get guests on as well as that uh, show develops thank you for your amazing feedback on that and to everybody who's tuned in Plus, of course, if you're watching this on Wednesday, uh, Arsenal take on West Ham United this evening in the Carabao Cup at the London Stadium. It's the return of Declan Rice to his former club. So uh, if you haven't caught our preview show uh, on that one yet, uh, check that out as well. It's available on our YouTube channel and, of course, on all major podcast stores. Right. uh, Let's move on then. Let's start off uh, with why it's so difficult to replace Thomas Partey. I said a little bit earlier on that he's got a rare. Skill set. And I really, really do believe that. I think what Thomas Partey brings to the table is something that you just don't find in every midfield player. Um, it's a it's a skill set that is so well rounded that you know his value is in that. You know, you, you're talking about someone who can do the defensive side of the game, I think, really, really effectively, but also has this ability to break lines, to impact the game in other areas, to um, dominate when when he needs to to be responsible in possession when he needs to. I just think he's got so much in his locker, apart from the ability to stay fit, which is a big problem. So, what makes Partey a standout player? These are what came. To, these are the things that came to my mind when I was sort of jotting down his strengths. The things that he does that stand out. The things that differentiate Thomas Partey from your bog standard defensive midfield player. I think his reading of the game an ability to sense danger early and his general awareness of situations that are developing around him, I think he's second to none. I think he's brilliant at that. I think he's excellent at receiving the ball on the half turn and having the ability to use his big frame, his long arms, um, you know, and his, his kind of frame to be able to shield and protect the ball, which makes him very, very difficult to dispossess unless you go through him, in which case you're giving away a free kick. I think his ability To not just identify, but to execute progressive passes from a deep area on the park is something that you don't find in every midfield player. I've said it before. I don't even think Declan Rice has got that to the same level as Thomas Partey. How many times have you seen Thomas Partey receive the ball off the centre-backs on the half turn, lure in one or two opposition players who want to close him down, who want to press him, look up to the right-hand side in particular, and ping a ball out to Bukayo Saka nice and early and set us on our way. How many times have you seen him do the same thing? Receive the ball in the half turn, hold people off, lure in opposition and play a ball into the half space for Martin Odegaard and get him going. And I've said it before. I think a big part of the reason that Martin Odegaard's form has suffered of late is because he hasn't had that same level of ball progressor in behind him to be able to get him the ball nice and early to mean that he receives it in spaces from which he can then do damage. I think the protection that he offers the central defenders playing behind him is, again, second to none. I think he's brilliant at that. And simply put, I think his experience has a lot of value. You know, this is a guy that knows how to get in shape and defend and do the ugly side of the game when he needs to. He played under Diego Simeone for how many seasons, for God's sake? The very best in the business when it comes to narrow blocks, when it comes to defensive structures. I don't think we got to see Thomas Partey showcase some of those other skills that I've mentioned during his time at Atletico Madrid. But um, at Arsenal, he's able to do a bit of both. And that's why I think since coming to Arsenal, not only is he playing in a stronger league generally, and of course, there's greater spotlight on the Premier League than there is anywhere else. And I accept that. But I think it's allowed him to showcase both sides of his game, which wasn't always the case at his previous club. And because of that, I think he's Moved up in terms of the pecking order of top, top midfield players. So, uh, those are the things that I think make Thomas Partey a standout player. So, let's move on to some of the options then to uh, replace him. And a player that we uh, discussed briefly on a show the other day, because of course those links with him had emerged once again, is Real Sociedad's Martin Zubamendi. Now, Arsenal's interest in the 24 year old is well known. It's understood that Arsenal tried to prise him away from Real Sociedad in the past. That Arsenal had sort of verbally, at least, come to some kind of agreement with Real Sociedad. But the player himself didn't want to make the move at that time. He's a 24-year-old, Martin Zubermendi, and probably looks at his situation and thinks, I don't need to make this move tomorrow. If I make this move, you know, in one or two seasons' time, I'll be fine. And you know what? A lot of Spanish players, they grow up and they want to play for Real Madrid or Barcelona. And so often it needs a bit of work in the background and it needs a big offer to get them to kind of abandon that dream and come elsewhere. Martin Zubimendi is Real Sociedad through and through. And until the time comes that he feels he needs to leave, we're going to have to really work hard. Uh, to try and uh, convince him of that. I think other clubs will be looking at him as well. I just wonder if the groundwork that Arsenal have done in the past that got him to a point where he was even considering the move could prove key later down the line. He's got great vision and is the type of progressive passer uh, that we're looking for, I think, from those deep areas. I think technically he's brilliantly well-rounded. No shortage of composure in tight spaces when I was sort of watching clips of him earlier today and and have done in the past. And, you know, I've seen a few Real Sociedad games in which I've watched him really closely since those links with Arsenal emerged in the first place. He almost reminds me of a bit of that. Some of you are not going to like this. He reminds me a bit of Jorginho in that he's very composed on the ball, very tidy in possession, able to operate in small spaces, very intelligent, sees the gaps before anybody else does. But he also has that mobility that Jorginho doesn't at this stage in his career. You could argue that Jorginho really never had. And he has a tenacity that I think Jorginho lacks at times. So he almost feels like an upgrade on him. And it's clear that Arteta wants someone who can control the ball um, from those deep areas, who can progress it nice and early, as we keep talking about, um, and who will remain composed when tasked with sticking to Arteta's style of play and the way that Arsenal want to build up. So I think he ticks a lot of those boxes. His current contract runs until 2027. So you're going to have to pay big bucks. Now his market value, according to transfer marketing, as I always say, don't always take that as gospel, is at around about 40 million euros, but he'd be much more valuable in the eyes of Real Sociedad. So I think you're probably going to be paying 60, 65 million euros at the absolute minimum to get Martin Zubimendi um, out of Real Sociedad. So do Arsenal, um, do Arsenal think he's worth that? I think they probably will because it's a long-standing interest. And we know that Arsenal don't do things just off the cuff. You know, they are always aware of opportunities um, when they come up and they do consider them. Uh, Trossard was a great example of that. I think Jorginho was a good example of that as well, where they were players that we'd admired for a while. When the opportunity came along, we took it, but it wasn't just oh, look, he's available, we'll have him. It was, well, we've looked at this player for a little while and now's the chance to get it done, so let's do it. Let's follow through. Everything is very well planned at Arsenal at this moment in time. If I have one concern about Martin Zubimendi is whether he has the physical profile to thrive in the Premier League. Now, I looked at someone like Lucas Torreira in the past, and he's not as small as Lucas Torreira, to be clear, um, but he isn't this big diminutive figure that you kind of associate with you know, defensive midfield players in the Premier League. You look at Rodri, what a powerful unit he is. And then you look at the fact he's got the technical ability too. That's why he's the best in the world. You know, Partey has got that physicality, but also the technical ability. Declan Rice has got the physicality and the technical ability as well, albeit a slightly different skill set. I do worry a little bit about Zubimendi in that sense. That doesn't mean I wouldn't sign him. Um, and and obviously, I haven't scouted him to the same level I'd expect Arsenal to be scouting a player that they would be, in theory, about to go and drop 60-odd million pounds on or whatever. But that would be the one thing. That's the one red flag for me with Martin Zubermendi because I looked at Torreira and I thought it doesn't matter really about his size because he's so tenacious. He snaps around, but it did matter. And at times, it really, really showed. And I think Unai Emery felt that. And that's why he ended up using Terreira towards the end of his Arsenal career as a number 10 at times or or as a midfielder in a more advanced area because he was concerned about that very, very thing. So that would be my only red flag when it comes to Martin Zubimendi. But all round, he looks a really, really um, good player. Um, Aaron says diminutive means small. Apologies, that's not the word I was looking for then. Um, what's, the, what's the dominant? Was that the word I should have said? Dominant? Anyway, uh, apologies. Okay, let's take it on. Aurelian Chouameni of Real Madrid is another option. This guy for me is the ideal replacement in terms of what I see today. He's going to cost a fortune, though, given that Real Madrid paid 80 million euros to get him not that long ago. And, um, you know, he is the type of player that. Yeah, I just I I just think that this guy is, is, you know, he's going to cost a fortune because a Real Madrid paid a ton for him, but he's got star quality. He's got the swagger about his game that makes him a superstar for me, um, he reminds me, and again, this is a comparison that some of you will understand and some of you will think, oh, for God's sake, here we go again, Harry. He reminds me of a young Paul Pogba, a Paul Pogba that people had high hopes for in that, you know, he's got the frame, he's got the body, he's got the power, um, he's got the technical ability, he's got the belief in himself as well. He's got the, um, he's he's got that, that arrogance, that confidence that you need sometimes to be able to do spectacular things. And he's quite comfortable playing uh, as the uh, the lone six. Um, you know, we we talk about playing as a lone six in this Arsenal side. You know that you're going to get support from the left back. You know that you're going to get one of the eights dropping alongside you. Um, he'd bring a bite to the midfield because he certainly does have that. You know, you watch some of his challenges. He's got a long shot on him, as Sadiq points out, um, which we've seen him use to good effect as I say, right physical build, great carrier of the ball, not so much a line-breaking passer in the way that Zubimendi is or in the way that Thomas Partey is, a bit more like Declan Rice in that his preferred way of progressing is to carry it rather than to pass it. So yeah, I'd be really, really excited about the idea of this, but the red flag on this one is not about the player or anything to do with his skill set or makeup or build or anything like that. It's about whether or not this is a realistic deal to do. Now, he's injured at the moment. Um, He's got a a slight fracture, I think, which means he's probably going to be out for a little while. But it's been interesting because he hasn't always been a starter since joining Real Madrid. And, you know, there's been times where, you know, he's been pit up against Camavinga. Um, Real Madrid's midfield will need a regeneration because, of course, Kroos and because of Modric and all the rest of it. And I know that Chiuameni was signed with a view to being a long-term replacement uh, for those guys. And I know that this was a signing driven by Florentino Perez. But at the same time, there's a part of me that believes that Real Madrid are going to change manager in the summer. And that means that plans can change. And, you know, a lot of the players at Real Madrid, as I've spoken before um, about, are very, very close with Carlo Ancelotti. He is seen as a father figure. And if he moves on, it might just open the door. It might just open the door. You might get to a place where Real Madrid are, are, are vying for their next Galactico. And Arsenal, a Premier League giant with a, a, a big checkbook, deep pockets come in and offer a big amount of money. It could be done. If Declan Rice was worth £100 million to Arsenal, I don't see why they would look at Aureli and Ciumeni and think, oh no, this isn't worth going big on or going heavy on because I think actually his ceiling is potentially higher than that of Declan Rice. I really do because I think technically at this, this age, I think he's got a bit more than Declan Rice had at that point. So yeah, um, he's he's some option, but you know, the likelihood of this one, I appreciate in comparison to the other two players that we're discussing um, is, uh, is a lot less. The third player I want to talk about is another player that's been linked with Arsenal, and that is Amadou Onana of Everton. Now, the pros here, Premier League experience. Um, the deal feels realistic given Everton's financial issues. He's physically dominant. I keep talking about physicality because I really do think it is a big deal in the Premier League, particularly in that position. There are, however, in my view, and this is just my view, questions around his technical ability. Is he good enough on the ball? Can he pass well enough? Has he got the vision? Has he got the sophistication to his midfield uh, play? I would argue there are still question marks around that. Now, he is just 22 years old. Um, so he's younger than the two players that we've already discussed, Zubimendi and Chumeni. That does mean, I guess, there's room for improvement. But does he have, does he have the raw quality for Arteta and co to be able to mould him into a player that hits the same heights as Choumane can, or as um, uh, or, or gets as high up in terms of his quality level as Zubimendi can, I'm not sure about that. But again, similarly to uh, Choumane, rather than Zubimendi, he's more of a ball carrier than a progressive passer. So you can probably tell by the tone um, with which I've spoken about all of these players who I prefer, who I think would be the best option. So I'm going to rank them. Who do I think from one to three would be the best option of these three players? And again, I'll reiterate the point I made earlier on. I know that there are other defensive midfield players, deep line midfield players out there. Um, I know that. And I'm not saying that we're only limited to looking at these three, but I wanted to pick three that we're actually being linked with because to me, you know, we're not at that point in the season yet where we should be speculating too much to the point where we're plucking names out of the air. The other thing, um, is that, you know, you might even see Mikel Arteta think, actually, I can't find that defensive midfield player that I want. Therefore, what I'm going to do is I'm going to instead move Declan Rice back into that position and I'm going to focus my efforts on finding an eight. You know, that could be the option as well. That could be something that Mikel Arteta looks at. For all we know, that could be his plan to, to sort of Progress the midfield and and evolve the midfield as we move forward, Um, but yeah, I just wanted to to bring up three names that I've heard repeatedly linked with Arsenal and give you my thoughts on those players. Uh, Let's take some of you guys' thoughts from the live chat as well. Big hello to Clive Palmer, uh, the main man. Uh, Good to see you in the chat, mate. Hope you're well. He says Partey going is obvious uh, because no contract discussions are ongoing, so he'll go with a year left. Yeah, I I think it's the right thing to do. Like as I've said repeatedly throughout this episode. I think he's a superb player. I think he's got a skill set that is perfect for what we ask of him, but he just can't stay fit. And so if I were Arsenal, I'd certainly be looking at uh, moving him on as well. Um, What else have we got? Uh, Some of you have mentioned some other names. Again, we'll we'll look at more names as and when the links crop up and as and when uh, they become sort of more prominent in the sense of as transfer rumours. So there's loads and loads uh, for us to think about. And I don't think this is something that we're going to uh, see resolved overnight. I don't even think this is something we're going to see resolved in January, to be honest. I think this is one for the summer. Um, Clive also says when thinking parte replacement, the key skill is ball progression. Losing Jacker and parte is big. Um, they can pass it forward a lot. So a deeper pass is required. And, and that maybe makes Zubimendi um, the the prime candidate out of the three that we've uh, discussed. But anyway, let me share with you guys my ranking then for these three. So uh, in an ideal world, I'd prefer that we went out and got Chiumeni because I think he is the complete one in terms of physically he's up to it, technically he's up to it, star quality is there. I think he's got everything, Um, Aureli and Chiumeni. And I think although Real Madrid paid... Eighty odd million euros to bring him in from French football. I think over time that is going to be seen as a as a good deal. Um, Martin Zubimendi would be my second choice out of these three players, with Amadou Anana in third, um, and, and I think that's a a view with regards to Anana that a lot of you share. Just judging by the live comments as they're coming through, um, I'm not saying that we're going to get any of these players, and I'm not saying that you know, their guarantees or anything like that. All I am saying is these are three of the names that have been repeatedly linked with Arsenal and I wanted to do a little bit of a a breakdown on each of them. I've looked at the stats, I've looked at the compilations, all the rest of it. These are my opinions. I I accept that. And I know that there'll be people in the comments that disagree. If you do disagree or if you agree, let me know uh, because I'd be very, very interested uh, to hear from you guys. going to take a few of your comments uh, before we uh, sign out. But just quickly... If you haven't done so already, please do leave a like on the video, subscribe to the channel if you're brand spanking new. And just to refer to the poll that we put out at the top of the show, is it time to cut our losses with Thomas Partey? Should we be looking at sale in the summer? 83% of you say yes. So it does feel like with this kind of latest round of injuries that the opinion around Partey, not in terms of whether he's good enough or not, just in terms of whether he's someone that we should be persisting with, has turned. It's turned quite a bit. And um, yeah, it's it's interesting to see um, that that a lot of Arsenal fans have seemingly come to the end of their tether with this inability that he has to stay fit, unfortunately. But anyway, uh, right, let's take a few more of uh, your comments. Um, Paul says, how about Yusuf Fofana of Monaco? That's another quality number six Arsenal should look at. From everything I hear, from everything I read, um, with regards to Yusuf Fafana, sounds like a good option. But I haven't seen credible links really uh, with him. You could argue that the links around some of these players that we're talking about are arguably not as credible as you'd like. But I've seen these names regurgitated and, and constantly coming up when it comes to that midfield discussion around Arsenal, which is why I picked these three. But as I say, as we get towards the transfer window, we'll do some transfer wish list shows like we did last summer where we will identify a position and I'll share with you guys the players I'd like to see. You can let me know in the comments, uh, in the lead up, in the shows uh, building up to it, the players that you'd like to see covered as well. So we'll do all of that. Um, We've got plenty of time for all of that stuff. Uh, But I just felt like given the sort of latest with regards to Thomas Partey and the fact that a lot of us fear he's going to be out for four or five weeks now, this was a worthwhile discussion uh, to have on today's uh, episode of the pod. Uh, Halor says, I think it's important with Premier League, uh, it's important for someone to have Premier League experience. So to me, a player like Jake Decore has much of what I think is important in a Part replacement. That's another interesting name. Uh, Douglas Luiz has been thrown into the mix as well. Although I think with Aston Villa doing so well, the fact that they are a Premier League rival, the fact that they are a club that don't seem to be short of a few quid nowadays, I think that that deal becomes harder and harder. And I actually think that that was a deal that we kind of have missed the boat on that we needed to do um, when we tried to do it the first time. I, I don't know that that's still going to be an option uh, moving forward. But, yeah, he'd be another one that I'd throw into the mix for sure. Right, guys, Uh big thank you uh, to everybody for tuning in. I really, really do uh, appreciate uh, your support. Uh, remember, like, subscribe, all the rest of it. It really, really does help. Um, I'm going to head off uh, now. Uh, join me and Sam Elard on the TalkSport2 social. Uh, from 3 to 5 p.m. today. uh, I'm sure we'll be building up um, in part to Arsenal's game at Upton Park. Upton Park. I still call it Upton Park, the London Stadium uh, this evening. So come over and join us for that. And uh, I'll see you all soon. In fact, I'll see you all tonight with a late night edition of the Chronicles of Aguna so that we can look back on Arsenal's game at the London Stadium. Should be a good one. Catch you all soon. Until next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.